Today on Sojourner Truth, Ziad Abbas, Executive Director of the Middle East Children's Alliance, joins us to report on the aftermath and impact of the recent Israeli-Palestinian war and the end of the Netanyahu era. What, if anything, will change in Israeli-Palestinian relations? Also, the Labor Union, Unite HERE Local 11 based in California and Arizona, will join Case Action, Black Voters Matter, and others in a freedom ride from Phoenix, Arizona to Washington, D.C. to oppose the attack on voting rights and to press for passage of the For the People Act. Our guests are Susan Minato, co-president of Unite HERE Local 11, which represents more than 30,000 workers in the hospitality industry in Southern California and Arizona, and Marilyn Wilbur, a hospitality worker based in Arizona. And Minneapolis resident and activist Marsha Howard will give us the latest on the killing of Deanna Marie, a mother of two who died when a car rammed into protesters on this past Sunday evening. Protesters had gathered to demand justice and transparency in the police killing of Winston Smith, who died on June 3rd. This follows also the police killing on April 11th in Minneapolis of Dante Wright. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted, women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. For Pacifica Radio, I'm Eileen Alfandari. California turned the page on the coronavirus pandemic at the stroke of midnight. The state lifted most of its COVID-19 restrictions. No more state rules on social distancing. No more limits on capacity at restaurants, bars, supermarkets, gyms, stadiums, or just about anywhere else. Governor Gavin Newsom came to San Francisco to mark the pandemic milestone, saying the state is poised to come roaring back. Hopefulness and confidence that the best days are not behind us, but the best days are ahead of us. So in that spirit, um, I am here as well to uh, highlight and announce as the bells ring uh, in a new day uh, here, not only in San Francisco, but the state of California as we look forward. For now, masks will still be required in places like public transit airports, healthcare, and indoor school classes. Californians who are unvaccinated are expected to wear masks, but the state will not require enforcement measures. The Workplace Safety Agency, Cal OSHA, is expected to vote to change its rules on Thursday and allow fully vaccinated workers to drop their masks. The official U.S. death count from COVID-19 will top 600,000 today. It's certainly an undercount. Democratic and Republican members of Congress held a moment of silence outside the Capitol last night to mark that milestone. Far-right Jewish ultranationalists are preparing to march through occupied East Jerusalem after the new Israeli government gave the go-ahead. Palestinians consider it a provocation. So does the Israeli group Ir Amim, which advocates for a peaceful resolution to the status of Jerusalem. Director Judith Oppenheimer spoke to Al Jazeera. 
it's an awful timing. All these, all these tensions that brought the clashes and that brought the war are, are still there. You know, we are still trying to heal from what we had been going through uh, just a few weeks ago. Hamas, which is based in Gaza, has called on Palestinians to resist the march. Israeli media reported the military was on heightened alert in the occupied West Bank and along the Gaza border. A United Nations spokesman said U.N. officials have urged all sides to avoid provocations in order to solidify the informal ceasefire that halted last month's Gaza war. President Biden moved to end a 17-year-long dispute with the European Union over subsidies for aircraft manufacturers. The announcement will govern how much of a subsidy each can provide for its aircraft manufacturing giant, Boeing in the U.S. and Airbus in the European Union. The major breakthrough in the trade relationship came on the eve of Biden's highly anticipated meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Tough talk from Biden ahead of that meeting. I'm going to make clear to President Putin that there are areas where we can't cooperate if he chooses. And if he chooses not to cooperate and acts in a way that he has in the past relative to cybersecurity and some other activities, then we will respond. A NATO summit communique on Monday declared China a constant security challenge and said the Chinese are working to undermine the global rules-based order. The Minnesota Court of Appeals has affirmed key approvals by state regulators of Enbridge Energy's Line 3 oil pipeline project. A three-judge panel ruled two to one that the Public Utilities Commission correctly granted Enbridge the permit the Canadian-based company needs for the Minnesota segment. More than 1,000 tribal and environmental activists gathered at construction sites near the headwaters of the Mississippi River to try to block the project. Hundreds have already been arrested. Opponents of the more than $7 billion project say the heavy oil it carries will accelerate climate change and risk spills in areas where Native Americans harvest wild rice, hunt, fish, gather medicinal plants, and claim treaty rights. Activists vow to keep up a summer of resistance. They're calling on President Biden to stop the project. A former government contractor who was sentenced to federal prison time and the longest sentence imposed for leaks to the news media has been released to home confinement. 29-year-old reality winner was moved to home imprisonment and remains in the custody of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. She pleaded guilty in 2018 to a single count of transmitting national security information. Authorities never identified the news organization, but the Justice Department announced Winner's June 2017 arrest the same day The Intercept reported on a secret NSA document. It detailed Russian government efforts to penetrate a Florida-based supplier of voting software and the accounts of election officials ahead of the 2016 presidential election. The Freedom of the Press Foundation said winner's release was long overdue. Benjamin Netanyahu's last speech as prime minister just a few hours ago. He spoke obviously mostly in Hebrew, but he had one phrase in English. He said, we'll be back soon, referring to his government. He lashed out at his rivals after listing his accomplishments. After more than 12 years in office and three years before that, he called the government that's replacing him a weak government, a dangerous government for Israel. 
and then said only he could stand up to the Biden administration when it comes to building in the settlements, when it comes to pushing back against a nuclear agreement with Iran. Then it was Naftali Bennett sworn in as Israel's new prime minister. He once worked for Netanyahu. He has now replaced him, promising a very different kind of politics, one of unity, one of agreement. He now leads the most diverse coalition in Israel's history, and he said he'll work to make that a, a government that works together to advance the interests of everyone in the country. Two times in our history, we lost our Jewish home exactly because leaders of the previous generation refused to sit with one another. I am proud to sit with people with different opinions. At the decisive, we took responsibility. We took responsibility. Shortly after the swearing in of Naftali Bennett as prime minister, he received a congratulatory statement from President Joe Biden. That statement reads in part, my administration is fully committed to working with the new Israeli government to advance security, stability and peace for Israelis, Palestinians and people throughout the broader region. Israeli politics have entered a new era with a major shift in its political leadership. Uh, we'll see if what, if anything, has changed. I'd like to quickly now go to our guest, uh, Ziad Abbas, executive director of the Middle East Children's Alliance. Ziad is a Palestinian refugee. Um, which was based in the West Bank. He's the co-founder of the Ibda Cultural Center there. He is also a filmmaker, journalist, and educator who has worked with Palestinian and international media and have participated in the production of several documentary films. He was the co-producer and production manager of Promises, which was nominated for an Academy Award. He completed his Master of Arts in Social Justice and International Relations from the World Learning School for International Training Graduate Institute. Ziad Abbas, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Yes, yeah, sorry about our, our technical uh, troubles there. But Ziad, let us start with this. Um, Netanyahu is out. Uh, there is now a new um, prime minister. But one of the first things it seems as though this new government has done is to approve a march by far-right Israeli nationalists and pro-settler groups throughout occupied East Jerusalem's old city. Uh, your response in terms of what you think this new government would mean and also the, what this march represents, Ziad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, the shift is um, actually um, not that much um, important for the Palestinian. Wherever you uh, uh, read the reports or watch um, the response of Palestinian in different levels, the popular level, uh, grassroots level, the political level, it's not a big change. No doubt the people, they feel uh, good that Netanyahu already out of the government, but doesn't mean that the Israeli policy, the occupation um, um, process and the occupation measures on the ground is changing. And this is what's going on today. It's a huge, uh, uh, a huge sign, a big sign for the, the, the direction of the new government inside Israel. Approving this march, which if we go back, like in May 10th, this is the spark for the the attack and the escalation. It was happened for 11 days and left 
uh, a Palestinian with over uh, 254 people killed, among them 66 children, 38 women. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a clear for Palestinians. Nothing changed in reality in this uh, occupation, and they will continue do the same policy at the same time just to uh, uh, let the radical wings do what they want in East Jerusalem. Today, it's high tension right now. Every hour, it can change the whole situation. People, they are waiting. What they did this morning in East Jerusalem, the evacuation of the Damascus Gate, not to allow the Arabs. And imagine that you close part of uh, Al-A and just you... Um, that the people of colors, African-American, uh, native, Latinos, they are not allowed to be in certain kind of streets or downtown uh, uh, the L.A. And just you allowed only one specific group because who they are, they are allowed to be there. This is the high discrimination uh, uh, in the ground right now. Yeah, it's something like we are not optimistic at all. We know as Palestinians in general, that we are going for another around because the government, the escalation, all the calls coming from Palestinians in general, the Arab countries, uh, international, including the United Nations, even called the Israeli government to change or to cancel this, the march of the flags, because it was the reason why we had 11 days of uh, attack in Gaza and West Bank, in every city. And right now, if we go anywhere in East Jerusalem, it's a military base, soldiers all over, the media showing that. The same in mixed cities like Haifa, Yaffa, Elid, uh, uh, Ramla, all these cities full of soldiers because they are preparing for this kind of escalation. The new government tried to respond to show the radical wings that uh, they are strong like Netanyahu. They can approve things. Even they are better than Netanyahu. Netanyahu canceled the, 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 the march of the flags in May 10th. Uh, and canceled after the attack came from Gaza. But now they are approving that. And this is like the, the test for this government. If it will show that if all the sides, they are very strong government and they are still representing and uh, implementing the colonial system and moving with the policies against the Palestinians, against the Palestinian rights, and claiming that Jerusalem is the capital of the Israeli uh, state. Right. And, you know, Ziad, a lot of uh, people, you know, they're hearing in the press, well, there, there is a new government, uh, by the way, the uh, new prime, prime minister, Naftali Bennett, who was a former ally of Netanyahu. Um, he became prime minister in a very contentious vote, a lot of shouting and yelling uh, that happened in the Knesset. It was a 60 to 59 uh, vote. But there is a party, the Ra'am uh, party, um, which is participating in this new government. And it's the United Arab um, List, Ra'am. And a lot of people are wondering, you know, what this means. Is, do you think this is a positive uh, thing for Palestinians? Or what do you think is the point of um, being part of this government headed by somebody who is just as right-wing as Netanyahu was? Yeah, absolutely. 
what you mentioned, it's very weak government because you spoke about 60, only best with 60, and the opposition 59. So it's very weak. Any, any Knesset member, uh, an ally to this government will change their position. This government will fail down. Second thing, by the participation of the United Arab list in this kind of government, in this coalition, to form the government, it doesn't mean that the Arabs, they are satisfied. This is a tiny group, and they have their own interests, and they think by participating with the right wings, they can prevent such kind of escalation or try to achieve something of the Arab rights, Palestinian rights inside 1948. But it's clear, even today, there were a warning from this United Arab list that uh, the permit that the new government and the interior minister inside Israel gave for the, the radical wings to, <clears throat> to go ahead with this, uh, the march of the flags for today, which is coming in a few hours, this is like a sign that this coalition will not sustain for a long time. And this kind of participation doesn't represent the majority of Palestinians and Arabs living inside Israel. Uh, you find certain times, certain groups, they take, uh, they, they take certain kinds of radical shift in their position and work with the right wings for certain kinds of achievement uh, for themselves as a group. But in reality, people angry for this kind of participation. In general, inside uh, 48, there are many reports about that. At the same time, Palestinians in general look at this group. They are going that much far, that much far from uh, where the Palestinians in general are standing together. Uh, this kind of participation only something is, I call it, like just uh, to show uh, that they want to get rid from Netanyahu. They call it, they call it his achievement. <clears throat> and if you think about Niftali, then it is. He's a student of Netanyahu. He's not that much different from him. And the only this coalition came just to get rid from Netanyahu, to kick him out of the government. But if you think about their program, what they will do on the ground, it's nothing clear. And they don't have very clear strategy. It will have alternative uh, to de-escalate the situation inside between Palestinians and between Israelis. Actually, by approving this kind of march today, uh, it's, it's a sign that this coalition will not sustain maybe days, weeks, not that long. And for Arabs, they feel disappointed from this participation of the United Arab List in this kind of government. Niftali Bennett is not that much different from Netanyahu. The, they, have, they carry the same goals, the same policy, and they count on the radical wings inside Israel to maintain their uh, <coughs> uh, uh, strength of their political groups. And the radical wings, they can play, they can shift it in any moment. So uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Israeli community right now is uh, um, disrupted. They have no clue what will happen. Even if there will be escalation, there will be more attacks. They will go back to the shelters. They will go back to attack Gaza Strip and continue with this policy. Or they will have a government will sustain their needs. People, they will de-escalate and try to focus on the work. And uh, work they need to, the people they feel secure, go back to their lives. Just three weeks ago, May 21st, we had the ceasefire there. 
and the people return back to start coming back. They try to heal, actually, and, and every side is in that part. But this government, by having this march today, it's a sign that no hope, no de-escalation. It's more escalation. It's high alert right now, the coming these hours. Just a few hours ago, they arrested six youths from the Damascus Gate. They evacuated the gate, uh, the, the uh, Damascus Gate area. They blocked all the streets, every corner, every street in East Jerusalem, full of soldiers, policemen. And if you are an Arab Palestinian, you are not allowed to be uh, close to that area. This is a big sign. This government is going uh, that direction where the, the escalation will be uh, leading their <coughs> um, <coughs> plan for the future. At the same time, if you look at the Palestinian, <clears throat> this is Israeli occupation. This is a colonial system. We didn't see any signs of shifting and how the people, they will see that, not from political statements or announcements or by calling uh, the United States government, have phone calls to de-escalate what they see in the ground, <clears throat> how they can best. Do you have cheekbones? Are, we, are the Arabs and Palestinians able to pass, to go where they want? Are the Palestinians uh, living in Sheikh Jarrah and Silwan will feel secure about their houses, or they are waiting for the eviction, the implementation of the eviction orders, which right now, this is another kind of escalation. Sheikh Jarrah issue still is there, and you have more neighborhoods in Silwan threatened, and more houses actually targeted by the settlers around Jerusalem and in East Jerusalem. So this is how they measure that. And what we see in the ground is something that Israel occupation still <clears throat> doesn't care, doesn't value, value the Palestinian rights, and doesn't care about any kind of um, a criticism coming from the international community, or that the, they don't respond to the calls coming from Palestinian or Arab countries or the international community to de-escalate the situation and reduce the tension and uh, <clears throat> respond to the, to the Palestinian uh, needs. I believe that the tension is very high and any second, any moment, the coming few hours, it can be a huge escalation. Right, and uh, Ziad Abbas, um, you know, you are director of the Middle East Children's Alliance, and during our recent fund drive, our listeners were kind enough uh, to make some donations uh, for the work that you all are doing in support of children in Palestine, and we actually hope to get those resources to you very shortly. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking that down um, with our management. But just before we have to go, we'll need to come back because I do want to talk with you about the aftermath of what is happening. I don't think people get an idea of the level of destruction that happened in Gaza as a result of this, um, this recent uh, war. But we did have some technical difficulties, and so we lost a little bit of time. But Ziad, tell us, though, how, what people should do if they want to support the work of the Middle East Children's Alliance, and also to get yeah. information about what's happening. What should yeah, they do? absolutely. The, uh, just I said, the people, they couldn't. They are three weeks ago. They finished. And just want to remind the people, there were 70,000 people. They were, uh, <clears throat> they left their houses during the bombing. 
Uh, most of them, they return back, but we st- they still have 9,000. They are living in the shelters. And there is yes. a process for get people in Gaza to heal. Still, people injured, hospitals, uh, education facilities, the uh, the sewage system, the the water system. There are a lot of difficulties in Gaza, and now it's high tension. Who knows what will happen? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The people they can help and support. They can go to our website, Mecca for Peace.org. Mecca for oh. M-E-C-A F-O-R Peace.org, where they can support and donate and help. And I appreciate your program all the time. For years right now, you take this stand and you share whatever you collect in your radio station, your program, with the people in Gaza. And we, as Middle Eastern Alliance, appreciate your contribution and your stand of solidarity with the Palestinian people. Well, absolutely. Thank you for that, Ziad, and thank you for your work. And we hope to have you back uh, where we could continue this conversation very soon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Be well and safe. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We are going to take our station break now. And coming up, Labor Union unites uh, HERE Local 11, joining with uh, community-based activists for freedom rights. Find out what that is all about. And also, coming up, uh, the latest in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where a mother of two was killed when a car drove into protesters there. We'll find out what is happening. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We refuse to be what you wanted us to be. We are what we are. That's the way it's going to be. If you don't know, you can't educate us or no equal opportunity. Talking about my freedom, people freedom and liberty. Yeah, we. Babylon System by Bob Marley. Uh, Now we know that voting rights have been incredibly under attack ever since the Supreme Court gutted a key element of the Voting Rights Act back in uh, 2013. However, uh, since the last presidential election where uh, Trump and his supporters are running around uh, saying that he actually won the election, And it seems as though voters, there's an attempt 
to punish voters for coming out en masse to get Trump out of the White House. But not only that, efforts to ensure that using voter suppression laws and other measures that the Republicans will be able to uh, get back not only into the White House, but also win in the midterm elections. But a lot of people are fighting back against these measures. And now we have a labor union, Unite H-E-R-E Local 11, Case Action, Black Voters Matter, and other uh, community folks who are launching a freedom ride from Phoenix, Arizona to Washington, D.C., and they are pressing for passage of the For the People Act, which would protect voting rights. I'd like to uh, now welcome our guest. I'd like to welcome uh, Susan Minato, co-president of Unite ATRE Local 11, which represents more than 30,000 workers in the hospitality industry in Southern California and Arizona. Susan, along with a core of union leaders, transformed uh, Unite H-E-R-E Local 11, into a nationally recognized labor uh, movement, um, a leader in training rank-and-file leadership to win union growth, social justice policy, as well as electoral politics. The union was instrumental in the transformation of California to a blue state and continues to innovate the areas of economic justice for working families. Under her leadership, Unite H-E-R-E Local 11, played a critical role in leading the ground operation in Arizona for the 2020 election successes of President Biden and Vice President Harris and U.S. Senator Mark Kelly and the 2020 Georgia U.S. Senate runoff for Ralph Warnock and John Assoff. So, Susan Minato, we're delighted that you're able to join us. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much. I'd also like to welcome Marilyn Wilbur, a hospitality worker, a union member, and a voting rights advocate. She is a black woman, a mother, and a proud Arizonan. She canvassed and got people out to vote in Arizona, also in Georgia. She's an 18-year veteran of the U.S. Air Force and lives in Surprise, Arizona, with her teenage son. Marilyn will be joining the Freedom Writers, the lobby in Washington, D.C., for the People Act. Marilyn, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Okay. Susan, let us start with you and tell us about the, uh, the inspiration for what it is you're doing, who is involved in it, and you're stopping at a number of, uh, of cities. Tell us about that, what you're aiming to do. Okay, thank you. Um, well, we have been uh, primarily inspired by the fact that um, we, we worked with our members during the pandemic uh, to help flip the state of Arizona, and we knocked on 900,000 doors live, um, wow. and we had hundreds and hundreds of our members and community organizations joining us, and we made it happen. So uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris won by 11,000 votes there. Uh, we picked up that same team and went to Georgia. Marilyn was one of them. She was in both campaigns. And uh, we uh, joined with Stacey Abrams' group to basically um, bring home Ossoff and Warnock's races. And then we thought to ourselves, why stop here? 
um, when, when voting rights are so, so at risk, we decided that we needed to be a part of making sure that those laws passed as well. Um, and so that's our main inspiration, our members who came out, who, you know, they individually inspired to do this. Um, and we, you know, the risk is so great. It, there are 360 laws out there right now that are voter suppression type laws in 47 states. And so uh, the passage of Senate One for the People Act is so critical. Um, one of the major pieces in it is that it prevents discriminatory gerrymandering. And as you know, the Senate, I'm sorry, the census occurs every 10 years. And so redistricting occurs right after the census. And so if it's not redistricted in a fair way, then we will lose in all of our state houses. We will lose in all of our you know, national races because it will essentially suppress the vote. So those are our inspirations. Right. Yeah, and, and Marilyn, bringing you into this conversation here, you are based in Arizona. One of Arizona's senators, uh, Kristen Sinema, uh, she, along with uh, Joe Manchin, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, without their support, the passage of For the People Act just won't happen. And uh, Joe Manchin has made it very clear what his position is, but a lot of people know very well that there are others like cinema who uh, share his view. Uh, tell us the reasons, uh, Marilyn, why it's important for you to take the time to participate in this freedom ride. Well, as you said, um, I am a veteran, Air Force veteran, so, you know, I gave a blank check for my life and for people to have that basic right to vote. And I marked, I, I um, knocked on doors in Arizona, and I knocked on doors in Georgia. And 60 years later, I am having to fight again for those freedoms that people fought for for the civil rights, you know. Um, I, I want to take this ride because I want to tell the people in Washington that I will not stand by idly and let them take my rights from me. If anybody should have the right to vote, it's me. I did four tours in Iraq, and I did tours in Afghanistan. And not just any tours, I did convoy tours. So I got to see Iraq and Afghanistan up close and personal. And I think that it's atrocious that our government is standing by and trying to take the rights that so many people like me and, and people today are still fighting for, that basic right so people can vote. It's not right. I take 23 pills three times a day. Yeah. And you know, I Mar would gladly do this. Again, Marilyn, I, I could hear the, the emotion in, in your voice, and, and I can feel it, and I'm sure our listeners can as well. And for somebody like me, I'm, I'm of African descent. I had family members who were very active in the first, you know, the Freedom Rides, Freedom Summer, et cetera. So many died for the right to vote. And there are many in my community who are grieving and who are saying we never thought we would be in this place again um, where voting rights 
are so under uh, threat. So back to you, uh, Susan uh, Minato. I mean, uh, uh, Unite H-E-R-E, uh, Local 11, now having a national profile. There are people in many different parts of this country um, who will hear this show and hear what you all are doing. And I'm wondering if you are thinking that uh, perhaps uh, what you are doing with this Freedom Writers will inspire other organized labor organizations to take uh, similar action. But I see you're also stopping in Phoenix, um, uh, Arizona, Santa Rosa, New Mexico, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Little Rock, Arkansas, Philadelphia, Mississippi, Montgomery, Alabama, Lawrenceville, Georgia, Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, and finally in Washington, D.C. So, um, uh, uh, again, you know, just tell us what you are hoping your, um, this freedom ride will achieve and also the connection that you are making with the earlier civil rights movement. Susan Manasso. Sure. Um, so the freedom ride itself, of course, is designed to stop in significant places where freedom, you know, freedom really battles have occurred um, on voting rights. Um, we were bringing with us uh, one of the original um, voter registration uh, students um, down in Philadelphia, Mississippi, and where the uh, where the three um, original. Uh, voter registration people were killed. Um, her name is Vivian Rothstein. She's coming with us, and she's going to be helping us to understand what happened there. Um, the uh, different places across the country that we're stopping, you know, all have you know major significance in our in some of the saddest history of our country. Tulsa, you know, Montgomery. Uh, Brian Stevenson's organization is opening their doors for us. Um, and so we are going to, you know, learn about Montgomery, and which was, I believe, the first uh, Confederate capital. Um, and so, uh, you know, people like Marilyn, there's many, many people like Marilyn of all colors, you know, that really, really are taking this seriously and pulling on the original legacy of the Freedom Ride um, in 1965 or four, I think. And, uh, you know, we have been uh, taught and mentored very heavily by the Reverend James Lawson, who was uh, the architect of, you know, many of the civil rights tactics used. And, um, you know, we consider ourselves a social justice union. Um, and so, you know, it's essential that, you know, like, like Marilyn speaks with such emotion that no one's going to take her right away. Well, many people you know, of course, across the country, you know, feel the same. And so the Freedom Ride, we hope to bring attention to the fact that there are 49 co-sponsors of Senate 1, the For the People Act, but many of those 49 and the 50th person, Manchin, know that the filibuster is what is stopping passage of that. Not just passage of Senate 1, For the People Act, but in fact, every major social um, law that we need to make changes for working families. And so, uh, so I think this is a fight for everyone. It's just that everybody needs to understand that those two things and the filibuster, a relic of Jim Crow, just like the Electoral College, 
you know, those things need to fall. And no senator can hide behind that. We know that the, everybody in this country needs to know, like, right in their fingertips that this is real and that if we don't do something with our filibuster, then no major law is going to pass. Absolutely. And, and Marilyn uh, Wilbur, we know that there's several uh, buses that are going to be heading out uh, from Phoenix, Arizona. They're going to be uh, local 11 members from Arizona and California joining you. And then there are other, uh, other buses that will also be joining you. But um, what do you say, Marilyn, to people who perhaps uh, are not quite sure if this is something they would want to support or participate in, what do you say to other union members, not only in your union, Unite HERE Local 11, but generally to organize labor in terms of what really needs to be done about what to me is a crisis of the threat to vote in this country? Marilyn Wilbur, your final thoughts, please. I say that we all need to stand up for this. If not, Everyone that has served in the military, that has given all, and those of us that have given some, are the things that we've done will be in vain. If this For the People Act does not get passed, nothing will get passed. So we need to stand up and fight and continue to fight. If we don't, who will? Right. Very good. And, and Marilyn uh, Minato, for people who want to find out more about the uh, Freedom Ride and the, and the work that you all are doing in Unite HERE Local 11, what should they do? Um, well, go ahead, Marilyn. Susan? <laughs> um, okay. oh. I guess yeah, Susan, Susan would know more. For you, Susan. Well, we have um, a website that uh, people can get to called caseactionfund.org. And then um, we have also uh, unitehere11.org. And so people should go there and the information is there uh, to sign up. But please, along the way, uh, we have a lot of events. And so uh, we're working together with local groups on the ground to uh, have people gather. Right. And when, do you, when, when will you arrive, actually, your goal in arriving in Washington, D.C.? We will actually arrive on the night of June 23rd. And then on the 24th, 25th, and 26th, we will have uh, activities where we will meet with senators. Our members will be meeting directly with senators uh, about this bill. Uh, we will gather for a rally and a vigil, um, and I believe that we will join the Black Voters Matter for a march. Right. Well, this certainly is an historic occasion, and um, Susan and Marilyn, we hope that you will continue to keep us posted. We'd really like to track uh, what is happening along the route, uh, who you're picking up, how the events are happening in the, in the states where you are stopping. But we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you so very much, Susan Minato and Marilyn Wilbur. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. We also want to thank Maria Hernandez, who is the Communications Department with Unite HERE Local 11. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. And we're now going to wrap our show up uh, with, well, 
incident in, in Minneapolis on Sunday, June 13th. Uh, a woman was killed and three people were injured when a car rammed into a group of protesters in Minneapolis. This took place in Minneapolis' uptown neighborhood where Winston Smith Jr., 32-year-old black father of three, was shot to death by two sheriff's deputies on June 3rd. And just before midnight on Sunday, a suspect drove a car into a crowd of peaceful protesters and was pulled from the vehicle before being arrested. Let us go to a short clip now about a vigil uh, that was held uh, for this protester who was killed and uh, Diana, a, a mother of two. Let's go to that clip now. It was a big night last night. Protesters in the streets. A lot happened. We have some of that for you tonight. Her family says she was active in social justice issues. Tonight, those who fought alongside her are paying their respects. Fox 9's Maury Glover is in Minneapolis with more on how she's being remembered now. Maury? Well, last night that woman was protesting the death of Winston Smith by law enforcement, but tonight the protest was for her. It just hurts my heart that someone lost their life yesterday, being a foot soldier. In the heart of Uptown, a gathering of protesters to remember one of their own. I'm primarily here because I want to pay respect for this lady that lost her life. I'm just so pretty upset and disturbed by that. Demonstrators blocked Lake Street from Hennepin to Girard Avenues for chants, speeches, and to lay flowers at the spot where Deanna Marie lost her life. He just came through 100 miles an hour. Deanna was protesting the shooting death of Winston Smith by U.S. Marshals in a nearby parking ramp earlier this month when a car drove into a group of protesters, killing Deanna and injuring several others late Sunday night. In this video taken by a bystander, you can see the chaotic aftermath as fellow protesters held the driver until police arrived to take him into custody. She wanted something to matter and she wanted black lives to matter and for this all to stop. Deanna's mother said her daughter was coming up on both a year of sobriety and her birthday this week and she hopes her death empowers others to pick up the fight for social justice. We will scream her name for the rest of my days. We will continue to pound the ground and make a fight for my daughter and for everyone else that she impacted and why she was doing that impact. We have the duty to fight for our freedom! And by the show of support for Diana, it's clear the cause she died for will live on. To let those, that, those know that we are here and we are in it and we're not quitting under no circumstances or reasons. We will not be deterred. All righty, I'd now like to welcome Marcia Howard. Welcome back to Sojourner Truth, a high school uh, English teacher, a caregiver, an activist based in Minneapolis. Uh, Marcia is part of a volunteer security team that organized itself at the intersection of 38th and Chicago. Uh, Marcia has been patrolling the George Floyd Square every day since the murder of George Floyd. Marcia Howard, welcome back. Hello, hello. Thank you. Well, Marsha, I'll have to say, um, when I heard the news, it's like I just kind of fell apart. I mean, I, I stopped what I was doing. I had to 
chair a meeting. I was weep. I had to get myself together before um, getting on with the work of the day. And for so many people who believe in justice, not only of African descent, but in particular of African descent, I mean, the kind of hurt and emotion when this kind of thing happens, people have to understand, you know, one does start to take it personally. Uh, Marcia, your response to what happened and what what are people saying about this incident of this young mother um, who lost her life, Marcia? You need. To, you have to understand that many people um, had a connection and have a connection to Deanna Marie, but personally, um, she was a member of GFS of George Floyd Square. She was here protesting. Uh, against the injustice uh, against George Floyd Square at the beginning of the uprising. She has been in this movement this entire year. Um, many people from GFS actually uh, held vigil with her that night. They were there on the scene. I had dropped my daughter, who lives in Uptown there, and though I occupied George Floyd Square when I heard that a young lady um, was killed um, by an enraged driver, um, my first thought was checking in on my own child. Uh, though she's 26, that's my baby. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't Absolutely. think people that's comprehend. Yeah. I, I don't think people co- comprehend uh, the depth and breadth of the protest movement here in Minneapolis because, frankly, they keep killing us. Uh, and so even when Wins died, um, I left the protest zone for one of the few times in a year because he went to the school I teach at. These are our people that are being assassinated, that are being killed. And so, Deanna, you, you pray that you don't have a connection, and then you find out that you do, and quite frankly, we all have a connection because anyone that is standing for justice is now vulnerable. It's vulnerable because of the way the state has responded. Instead of uh, blocking off places, now cars are allowed to careen through protest space. It is not a coincidence that on 6-3 they opened up the streets of George Floyd Square and now people can barrel through at any rate of speed. Yes, we replaced the barricades. They removed them. We replaced them. They removed them. And now me, who has been saying no justice, no street, I now protest from the sidewalk because it seems as if the city uh, does not care if we are murdered by vengeful white supremacists. And to be clear, self-deputized white supremacists are, quote unquote, doing something for government when they attempt to take us out. And now we are even more vulnerable, not just in Minneapolis, but across the nation. There are places where people are trying to codify and reify the ways in which folks can come and kill protesters. Our First Amendment rights and our rights to legally assemble are under threat, not just in Minneapolis, but across the country. 
Yes, and, and Marsha, I mean, the initial news coverage, people were, were very quick to say, well, they think that the driver was a, a case of drunk driving and maybe, you know, drugs and alcohol or something like that. Huh. And it, it does seem that even before we know the facts of, of what happened, you know, like, it, it's almost like an excuse is being made uh, for this person. Um, whether he had a the irony being I mean, driving into a car and killing somebody and injuring several others, Marsha. The irony of that is when Winston Smith was murdered, they proffered several reasons to malign his character. They claimed he was a murder suspect. Some people even threw out that maybe he was one of the people who killed young children over north. So when they kill a black man, they can come up with several reasons why he deserved to die. And when a white man barrels into a crowd of protesters, they can come up with several different reasons why it was an accident. Right, just absolutely outrageous there. And uh, also you have this spate of of legislation uh, to basically try to criminalize uh, protesters. Well, Marsha, Please uh, come back and uh, let us know about your continued work. You're so dedicated there with your work with uh, George Floyd Square and now speaking out about what has happened to Deanna uh, Marie. You all are really holding it down for so many of us who are not in Minneapolis at the moment, but please know that there are many in our audience and many around the country listening to this show who want to find out the truth of what's going on and who are happy and grateful for the work that you are doing. So thank you so very much for joining us, and we hope to have you back again very soon. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Uh, this, is, this is Margaret Prescott. We, I, that's right. We are out of time. I'd like to thank all of today's guests. Uh, today's show produced by me, that's Margaret Prescott. I'd like to thank our audio engineer, Gary Baca, our assistant producer, Romero uh, Funes. And we want to thank you for staying with us through some of our technical difficulties at the top of the hour. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230 or go online to pacificaradioarchives.org. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott, and you all please stay well and safe.